It's a great day to live for Jesus. This is the In the Word podcast with Pastor Mike Grover, a chapter-by-chapter devotional journey through the New Testament where we will browse the background, discover the doctrine, and practice the principles of God's Word for us today. There's a story of an old wise man in an ancient Asian village who was just known throughout the community and really throughout the region for his great wisdom in being able to answer people's questions. And there was two young boys in that village who really wanted to outsmart the old wise man and show people uh, you know, how sharp they were. And so they devised a plan and they found a small bird and one of the boys put the small bird in the palm of his hand where it couldn't be seen. And they decided they would go to the wise man and they would ask him this question as he would hold the bird in the palm of his hand behind his back and ask him, is this bird dead or is it alive? And if the old man answered the bird is dead, he would simply open his hand and let the bird fly away and they would have outsmarted him. Or if he said that the bird was alive, he would crush it in the palm of his hand and then he would hold out the lifeless body of the bird. And in either case, they would one-up this old man and their fame throughout the village would grow as the two boys who outsmarted the wise old man. So they put their plan into motion. They got the small bird. He put it in the palm of his hand. They walked up to the wise man and they asked him and they said, old man, there's a bird in my hand behind my back. Is this bird dead? Or is this bird alive? And the old man, rather than answering as they thought he would, simply gave them this reply. He said, as you will, young men, as you will. And rather than walking away gleefully at having outsmarted the old man, they walked away frustrated because once again, he proved that his wisdom could overcome any of their trickery or deceit. As you will, as you will. This is exactly what's going on here in Luke chapter number 20. It's the Tuesday of the Passion Week when you look at the cross-references in Mark chapter 11. And the intensity of the religious leaders to try and trip up Jesus just was increasing during this time. And throughout this chapter, we see them trying to trip up Jesus and trying to take him at his words as you were. And so the chapter begins with Jesus teaching in the temple as he had been doing in the previous chapter. And certain of the scribes, the Pharisees, the religious leaders came to him and they said to Jesus, um, they said, where does your authority come from? How do you have the authority to teach what you do? And in verse two, it says, they spake to him saying, tell us by what authority do you do these things? Or who has given you this authority? And Jesus answered and said to them, I'm going to ask you one thing, answer me. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or was it from men? So rather than asking her their question, he asked them a question. Was John's baptism from God or was John's baptism just something John came up with? And they reasoned with themselves. You see them kind of huddling up, trying to get their wisdom in alignment to to defeat Jesus's wisdom. And they say, if we say it's from heaven, he's going to say, then why don't you believe on him? But if we say it's from men, all the people are going to stone us because they're persuaded that John's a prophet. So they're like, we can't really answer this question. And in verse seven, it says, and they answered that they could not tell from where John's baptism came from, from where it came. And Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. So the wisdom of Jesus, is the bird dead or is the bird alive? As you will. Where's your authority come from? Well, where did John's baptism authority come from? And where does he leave them? He leaves them speechless. He leaves them unable to answer the question. And this whole chapter is like this. 
So he goes on from this and then he tells him a parable of uh, uh, an owner of a vineyard that lends it out to farmers. And he keeps coming back and trying to, you know, get um, fruit, trying to get an account. He wants fruit from his vineyard and they won't give it to him. And finally he sends his son and they decide, hey, we're going to kill his son. And the Pharisees realized that Jesus was talking about himself. And in verse 19, it says the chief priests and the scribes, the same hour sought to lay hands on him and they feared the people for they perceived that he had spoken this parable against them. So here they are, they're trimmed up in their logic. They're angry, they're mad. They want to kill Jesus, but then they realize they can't because if they try to kill him, then the people are going to kill them. So they can't do it that way. So they said, okay, well, we're going to trip him up again. We're going to put him at odds with the Roman leaders, the Roman authorities. And so in verse 20, it says they watched him and they sent spies to him. And these spies pretended to be just men. They tried to be sincere and they asked him this question. Uh, They wanted to take hold of his words. They wanted to trip him up. And so they asked him, Master, we know that you say what you say and teach is right. Neither do you accept the person of any, but you teach the way of God. So full of baloney. They didn't believe any of that. They said, is it lawful for us to pay taxes to give tribute to Caesar or not? Now, if he said it was not lawful, then they're going to say, okay, well, we're going to go tell the Romans. This guy's telling people not to pay taxes. But if he says it is lawful, then we're going to say, well, then you're saying our authority comes from earthly rulers and not from God. And so Jesus, rather than answered, it says he perceived their craftiness, verse 23, and he said to them, why do you tempt me? Show me a penny, show me a coin. Whose image is on the coin? And they answered and they said, it's Caesar's. And he said to them, render therefore to Caesar the things which are Caesar's and to God the things which are God's. So rather than really saying one or the other, he said, apply your wisdom appropriately. And they're so mad because they couldn't trip him up. And in verse 26, it says they couldn't take hold of his words. They could not trick him. They could not trip him up. And it says they marveled at his answer. And then look what they did. They held their peace. So in verse 7, they said, we can't answer you. In verse 26, it says, we can't answer you. They held their peace. And then the Sadducees, another religious group of leaders come along that don't believe in the resurrection. And they start using the Old Testament against Jesus. They said, basically, the old man teaches, if uh, your brother has a wife and your brother dies, it's your responsibility to take her as your wife, to raise up seed to your brother. And they give this long convoluted story about this guy with all these brothers and his wives die. And in the end, they marry him and the other one dies and the other one dies. So this woman's been married to multiple brothers. And they said, when they go to heaven, whose wife is she going to be? And they're basically trying to make him see that, man, it's silly to think there's a resurrection because this question can't be answered. But I love what Jesus said. He said um, that in heaven, they neither marry nor are given in marriage. And it says in verse 36, neither, neither can they die anymore for they're equal to the angels and they're the children of God being the children of the resurrection. And he said, now, Now that the dead are raised, even Moses showed at the bush when he called the Lord the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. For he's not a God of the dead, but of the living. For all live to him. So basically Jesus tells them, well, there really is no one getting married in the resurrection because in the resurrection we don't marry. That's an earthly thing. And then to prove the resurrection, he said, you know, when Moses was at the bush, God said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not I was the God, I am the God. And when he said it, these three men had already died. So God spoke of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob after their earthly decease in the present tense of being their God, hence showing that they're still alive in eternity. And so Jesus once again takes his wisdom and trips them up. And then it says in verse 39, certain of the scribes answered, said, Master, you have well said, 
And in verse 40, and after that, they did not ask him any questions at all. Verse 7, couldn't answer him. Verse 26, couldn't answer him. Verse 40, couldn't answer him. So you got these guys, kind of bird in hand type situations, saying to Jesus, trying to trip him up, trying to make him look foolish, trying to give him a question where he couldn't answer them. But every single time, Jesus left them speechless. Jesus left them unable. This chapter reminds me so much of Proverbs 26, 4 and 5. These two verses seem to contradict each other in Proverbs um, 26. Verse 4 says, um, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you um, become like him. And then the very next verse says, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he become wise in his own conceit. Now, seems like a contradiction, right? This verse says, answer him. The next best verse says, don't answer him. Well, is the Bible contradicting itself? I mean, these are two verses right in a row. It seems like if it's going to contradict itself, it'd be spread out a little bit. So he says in the first case, don't answer a foolish person because you're going to be just like him. And the next one, he says, no, answer him so he's not wise in his own conceit. What's Jesus saying there? What's the Bible saying there in Proverbs? It's saying you have to have wisdom in how you apply knowledge. There are situations where you're better off not even answering that person because all they're trying to do is trip you up. Well, there's another situation where you probably really should answer that person because the false wisdom they have could damage other people. It could really solidify it. So what it's basically saying to us is you have to have wisdom. That's what the book of Proverbs is all about. And really, Jesus... He is the book of Proverbs on display. Man, he is the word made flesh. So when I see Jesus in Luke chapter 20, and he's doing this dance of wisdom against the foolishness of these leaders, man, he's answering a fool. He's answering not a fool. It's like the book of Proverbs on display. And it seems as if his goal in life, Jesus, was never to prove, but just to display, just to show us the Father. He wasn't setting out to prove. He didn't want to go tit for tat with them. He wasn't like, yeah, I got you. His goal here was not to prove. His goal was to demonstrate. His goal was to show who he was. His goal was to show him that them, that he had a wisdom that was not of this earth. It's kind of like he uh, answered Philip in John 14. Um, Philip said to him, Jesus, show us the father and that will be enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have you been with me all this time and you yet you still haven't seen the father and he said i me and my father i and my father are one so here's jesus the one who is the truth the one who is the living word the one who was the express image of god and yet he wasn't really trying to prove a point he wasn't trying to win an argument as much as he was trying to show them who he truly was see jesus said in another place if i am lifted up I'll draw all men to myself. In other words, Jesus wanted them to see who he truly was more than Jesus was trying to win a point-for-point point argument with them. What is that? Well, simply put, that's, that's wisdom. And so I fear, like in our case, when you're looking at applying this, is that maybe too often we're too interested in trying to win arguments with people rather than we are pointing them to the truth. You see, the goal is not for us to be right, because in a sense, if we're living according to the Bible, the truth of the word of God, then we are right. That's the outcome. Jesus was right, but Jesus wasn't trying to prove he was right. He was trying to prove who he was. He was trying to show them that there's a wisdom here 
that man just cannot be denied. And so rather getting drug into a point by point argument, Jesus just used his word and his wisdom to really leave them really thinking about the depth of what he said and who he was. You know, recently there's been a big hubbub here in the Tampa area about a school in Valrico, Grace Christian School. The principal sent out a message to all the parents reminding them of some things that were in their handbook, things that had been in their handbook for years, basically about gender issues and about in the school. If a student was there, they would only refer to them by um, the pronoun they were born with. If it was male on their birth certificate, they would call him he. If it was female, he, you know, he's basically saying, we're going to stick with a biblical understanding of how to use pronouns. And he also said, if students are here that are involved in these lifestyles, then they really are not um, allowed to be in the school, which is pretty typical of private institutions because private institutions typically exist to gather people around a certain you know, value system of belief and a Christian school would be the Bible. So not really anything spectacular here. But when you look on the comments on Facebook, I was reading and you see people trashing the school and saying, you know, Christians are supposed to be this and that, and they're not this. But then I see people, and I don't know if they're Christians or not, but they're defending the school and they're saying, yeah, and they're arguing back and forth. And I'm thinking, why are you trying to argue with people about the Bible when they really don't have any understanding of the Bible? And I thought, wouldn't it be much better for someone to simply say, hey, that's, you know what? Can you show me in the Bible where it teaches that Christians are supposed to be this or that? Can you show me that? You see, rather than arguing and going back and forth, how about just saying, can you show me that in the scripture? You see, and in that way, it's not so much trying to win an argument, but it's trying to show that there's wisdom in how to deal with this issue. And so that's really where I see we need to be is put the onus on others rather than on trying to be so defensive and argumentative. That's what Jesus was doing here. Oftentimes when someone would come to me and tell me, hey, this is what I believe and this is how this lifestyle issue should be, whether it's in gender issues or any of them. You know, my art, I used to go to a scripture and I'd say, well, the Bible says this here and the Bible says that there. And we get into this whole argument over the thing. Now, you know what I prefer to do is hand them the Bible and say, can you show me out of the Bible how you arrive at that position? The reality is they can't, therefore they either at that point have to come to the conclusion that what I believe really is unbiblical, which is what I would believe, or they would just have to say, well, I believe in God, but not under the authority of scripture. You know what? Can you show me where that is? Can you teach me how I would come to that conclusion? In other words, if I were alone on a desert island for 10 years and all I had was a Bible and I came off that island what conclusion would I have arrived at on that issue if I only had the Bible to go by? That would help you to understand what the Christian position would be on something. So Jesus here, not so much trying to win the argument as much as trying to show them the greatness of his wisdom and in turn to point them to the Father. So the word for today is this, and it's not an easy one. Be slower to make a point and quicker to ask God for wisdom in how we answer so that in the end, I don't win, the truth wins. Thank you for listening today to In the Word. Join us every Tuesday and Friday for new episodes as we continue our devotional journey through the New Testament.